Hello, I'm Dr. Scott Wadier. And I'm Tommy Welling, and you're listening to the Fasting for Life podcast. This podcast is about using fasting as a tool to regain your health, achieve ultimate wellness, and live the life you truly deserve. Each episode is a short conversation on a single topic with immediate actionable steps. We cover everything from fat loss and health and wellness to the science of lifestyle design. We started Fasting for Life because of how fasting has transformed our lives, and we hope to share the tools that we have learned along the way. Welcome to the Fasting for Life podcast. My name is Dr. Scott Wadier, and I'm here as always with my good friend and colleague, Tommy Welling. Good afternoon to you, sir. Hey, Scott. How are you? Doing fantastic, my friend. Hopefully, you're listening to this after you've gotten some good sunlight into the eyeballs and you're wide awake and you've had your coffee. Maybe you're at lunch walking around in a nice sunny, black coffee, sunny-filled park because we're going to be talking about sleep and weight loss today and the underlying drivers of how sleep and insulin resistance are directly related. You can click the link in the show notes under linked articles, and you'll see the article that we are discussing or where this conversation started from. And then we're going to add our additional insights as sleep has been one of my key areas to help uncover my blood sugar issues, insulin resistance, and reverse it and get my life and my health back. So Tommy, as we welcome in the new listeners, you want to hear more about how Tommy and I transformed through the tried and true art of fasting. Head back, listen to episode one. Give us a little grace, we ask, because we were new and we just just had a story to share. And that's why we do what we do each and every week, helping you guys, the listeners, to integrate fasting into a lifestyle, to get off of that dieting roller coaster and that on-off, good-bad type dieting mindset. We want to turn fasting because never mind, is it just so powerful in terms of getting the scale moving and getting the weight off, but there's so many other incredible health benefits as well. So Mm. as we welcome the new listeners in and the old school OGs that have been with us for a while, thank you for continuing to join us week to week. We want to give you one or two big takeaways from today's conversation because sleep, Tommy, especially in my world when I was growing up, and I believe it's I know it's the same in yours, just from the stories that we've shared. It was always worn as a badge of honor that, you know, I watched my family up in cold, snowy, rainy, chilly, damp, dark New England that, you know, sunlight was not as prevalent as it is here in Texas or when I lived in Florida because of the length of the day. But everybody was stressed and nobody slept. And everybody was running around doing a million things, right? And I moved away and I went, huh, not everybody's like this. It's different. It's a different way of life. And one of the things I grew up with was this, ah, I'll sleep with them when I'm dead kind of mindset. Yes. I said that a thousand times. I can life. push through. I was always the guy staying up late, watching the, you know, the Monday night football games or Saturday Night Live when I was probably too young to be watching those things up late. Mm-hmm. With a little black and white TV. Yes, I said black and white underneath my comforter in my room to hide the light. (laughs) My parents knew. But I was always like doing the homework in the middle of the night, putting off the term paper until last minute. So sleep was never a priority. And I just didn't realize for so many years what I was doing to my metabolic health and promotion of insulin resistance. Yeah. You just hit on hit on something there where I heard some perfectionism too, with that black and white 
on or off. Also, yep. just the wearing of the badge. If you've ever worn like not needing all the sleep as a badge of honor, then that means that you may have been attracted to the idea of getting more things done or yep. like pushing a the performer type A personality. Right? Yeah, right. And then and so that can really lean into some perfectionist tendencies, which can really backfire, especially on a long term weight loss journey as well. Heck, even a long term, maybe even a fasting schedule. Oh, absolutely. Thousand percent. Like, oh, well, I didn't hit my my 22 hour, 23 and a half hours, not 24. (laughs) I guess I'll just throw in the towel. Oh, well, how many questions? By the way, I'm speaking about myself. Okay, for sure. For sure. No. Yeah, we're not we're not preaching here. we We've done it. We've said right. it. We've we've wondered the same things. But but if you if you zoom out for a second, you take a look at even just that question, which we get it a lot. Like OMAD, OMAD is not twenty four hours, right? Like like, and so then there's this there's this major like um, yeah. What happens if I eat dinner every here? day? Wouldn't it be a twenty three? Wouldn't I have to move my dinner an hour later every day? Right. When when should I stop? Should I stop that at right. 10 p.m. or should I stop right. that at 11 right. p.m. and just reset? And I go, no, 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 Shh. Right. Like, it's quiet the noise. You got to quiet right. that noise. So some of that perfectionist noise is one of the things that that we're going to have to turn down. But that that can come back to this idea of sleep is so important. There's a reason why our body demands that for every three hours in the day, one of those hours is spent sleeping, resting, recovering, rejuvenating, and and restoring our body processes. And like the more perfectionist or the more, you know, driven we are, sometimes it means that we're, we're finding in the margin this opportunity to get more stuff done. But we don't even realize necessarily that it's that I'm, I'm cutting my myself off at the ankles in order to optimize my health, take control of my weight, you know, reduce my medications or get off something or not worry about the the quote unquote generational curse that's been following me around, whatever that may that may be. Yeah. So when we look at sleep or we look at weight loss, let's say a lot of people come to fasting for weight loss. Let's start there. Right. Sure. Mm-hmm. To us, fasting simplified day to day, right? Simplified meal prep, simplified planning, simplified my life. Yeah. As it has for so many others as well. So anyone trying to lose weight typically will focus on the diet and exercise. That's what we've been conditioned to do. Yeah. So cut back on food intake, make healthier choices as kind of a subset, a kind of in between the lines thought there as well. Right. And then ramping up the workouts is going to increase my or or bend the calorie in calorie out equation to my favor. Mm. Right. And that's how you're going to shed the weight. But yeah. there is some critical hormonal contributors to successful weight loss, never mind the societal, familial support piece, monitoring piece, excitement piece, right? Like goal setting, all of these things to the weight loss process. So yes, what we eat on our plate also matters as well. But what we're finding is that obesity just simply isn't, in a lot of cases, an overconsumption issue. Sleep has been shown to be a vital component because it is linked to several of the hormonal and metabolic processes that keep your body burning, aka your metabolism or your BMR or your TDEE, total daily energy expenditure, in balance. So most adults, I wonder, we get this a lot when we do our seven-day challenges, the results that we get when it comes to sleep, there's a lot of less than happening, right? So adults typically need about between seven and eight hours And there is a direct relationship between your amount of sleep and the scale. So for me, back in the day, 
if I had a poor night of sleep and I was up for you know multiple times throughout the night or up for a while during the evening, now with kids, if I'm up, I don't weigh every day anymore. But if I'm up, you know, a few nights ago, I was up, you know, for a couple of hours in the middle of the night taking care of a little one. I knew that next day, even before kids, that if I was up in the middle of the night, that that scale would not move down, or most likely it would go up. So frustrating, too. Right. You're doing all the right things. You're counting the calories, yeah. tracking the macros, hitting your fasting windows. And you're going, huh, it was working. Why is it not working anymore? Yeah. Maybe, so maybe I need to uh, restrict my calories a little bit more, you know? Right, right. Maybe I need a to bit more fine, start eating salads again. I thought if I fasted, I could eat more what I wanted. So frustrating. So we want to talk about insulin, right? So when we're talking about insulin, insulin is the major traffic controller of whether or not your body is going to burn the energy that you've taken in or store it as fat. And some of the large epidemiological studies, almost stumbled on that one, have repeatedly found that people who are chronically sleep deprived are at a higher risk of obesity. Yeah. One of the models out there, the carb insulin model of obesity, is now taking into account sedentary activity, genetic predisposition, so something called epigenetics, and the environmental effects on our genes, our sleep health, so to speak, and our stress levels and our cortisol levels are all being kind of put into the equation of this insulin resistance driver. So it's not just food that can drive insulin resistance. And one study found that people sleeping less than five and a half hours a night lost more non-fat mass. So more of the good stuff, more of the Mm -hmm. lean tissue, bone mass, et cetera, than fat. Five and a half hours a night on a mildly, mildly calorically restricted diet. They lost wow. more non-fat mass than fat. Meanwhile, people who got eight and a half hours of sleep shed more fat. Nice. Well, some of you are going eight and a half hours. I'm going eight and a half hours. How my whoop tells me I need eight and a half hours. I don't get eight and a half hours. What the heck? Sure. Yeah, but uh, so I was looking at sleepfoundation.org, and basically that's that's seven hours. That's seven hours a night is is pretty magical. Uh, a little line it in is. the sand, but more than one third of U.S. adults, and we know. The rest of the world is is probably going to be you know fairly similar in in developed areas. More than one third of U.S. adults sleep less than seven hours per night on average. Well, you know, don't we have about one third of of adults being being obese, and then you know more, much more than that being in the overweight category? The correlations start to really kind of stack up. Obviously, that's not causation, but I know that the less that I slept that the more the the scale was ticking up, just like you mentioned for you. And it makes sense when when I'm like, oh, well, I was spending so much time in the gym and I was lifting all these heavy weights and I was tracking the macros and supplementing with my protein. But at the same time, it was like, your body doesn't have the time to recover from the normal processes, let alone worry about gaining muscle mass or you know putting on more lean tissue or rev up the liver for fat burning when I just ingested, you know, my last meal at, you know, eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night, especially if it was a higher insulin inducing meal, even if my overall calories were, were within the, the field goal post, post for the day. Right. And if you look at sleep in relation to some of those decisions that you were just kind of outlining there, mm-hmm. there are some hormonal undercurrents that we'll unpack here in a minute that are driving those decisions. So four to six hours a night can play havoc on your metabolic and endocrine functions, simply just looking at blood glucose. So glucose levels after, let's say, a high-carb meal, a later high-carb meal, a later meal in the day with higher carbs, can reduce the rate of glucose clearance by 40% and the acute insulin response by 30%. 
So you're immediately already shutting down just by the night before having a lack of sleep. And then even a single night of four hours of sleep reduced insulin sensitivity in healthy men and women up to 25%. Wow. So you're going to have higher blood glucose levels, worse blood sugar control, and you're going to have more of those feelings that lead to those decisions that you make during your waking windows yeah. or during your fasting windows or during your nutrition opportunities, during your eating opportunities or your one meal a day are going to be directly related to the quality of sleep and the consistency of sleep that you get. You know, I didn't want to believe this. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. Carry on. <laughs> Well, whenever you go to make those decisions, it's like if you know that they're going to lead to longer elevations in your blood sugar, it can start to make some sense where we go, we feel the delta. We feel the difference. We feel the the spike in the blood sugar, but what we feel more is the drop in the blood sugar. If you've ever right. like, like yeah, the consumed swing. donuts or something, you know, yeah. and then you feel the whoosh, like oh man, I'm coming down off this just sugar high. I feel the crash. Now I feel lethargic. Well, guess what? Insulin compounds that lethargic feeling. But the, the thing about making those late night decisions where I'm getting a lot more of my calories or my insulin response later at night, it's leading to the longer elevated blood sugar. Well, the problem is now I'm going to feel that in the morning too. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be waking up coming off of this like blood sugar crash that should have been long stabilized if I had, you know, better foods earlier in the day and and now coming off of the lower the the lack of sleep that's leading to more of that problem and it's like I could wake up, I could be having the right calories, the right macros, doing all the right things and then I'm waking up and now I'm just feeling just starving or I feel this crash in energy early in the day like what the heck is going on? I'm just trying to I'm just trying to get going here. I guess I need some more coffee, you know? And then and and now I'm I'm chasing it. And that can be just detrimental. So something you just mentioned there was, there was this one study, it was elevated ghrelin predicts food intake during experimental sleep restriction. Hmm. And they looked at the study group, people who reduced their calories by six to 700 calories a day, right? So moderate to high caloric restriction. Mm -hmm. Every extra hour of sleep during this study was associated with one and a half pounds more of fat loss. Wow. I'm still mad about this, okay? Right. Because I still, I, I mean, I got three kids. Sleep is a commodity, yeah. right? It's, it's not a something resource. that- Yeah, it's a valuable resource for everyone involved. Everyone's happier when we all sleep, right? So that ghrelin increase, I always think of ghrelin as like the growl, like grr, growling stomach, right? That ghrelin yeah. is happens mechanistically when you don't fast, your stomach empties and ghrelin goes up. Mm. But it also happens when your sleep sucks. Let's just be honest. Yeah. <laughs> and- Another study from Mayo Clinic connects sleep loss to the accumulation of the worst type of fat, that visceral adiposity, mm, right? The so dangerous one, yeah. Right? An 11% increase in visceral fat accumulation when subjects were sleep deprived compared to getting a full nine hours. Okay, now nine hours, yeah, okay, get out of here with nine hours. <laughs> we're, we're, so we're just going to keep- hours, come on. Yeah, we're going to keep, yeah, come on. Are you alive? Hello. All I think of is the meme with like the stick figure with the stick. Oh, yeah, just like poke. poke poking whatever it is that it's like, do something, yeah. right? Keep um, doing what you're doing if you're getting nine hours though. Shout out yeah. and uh, uh -huh. send us a note. How are you doing that? Yeah, please tell me what your day-to-day -day schedule looks or like, especially if you have three kids. So let's, let's, let's keep going back to that focus point of that seven hours a night, okay? Let's, mm -hmm. let's get to the seven hour mark and we'll see some pretty cool things change. Yeah, yeah. And then if you're already at seven, 
Like let's style it up just a little bit, right? Like, like there's, there's some cool things we can do to be proactive, to get better sleep, to compartmentalize it a little bit better. Because like in a previous episode, we talked about just time-restricted feeding and the fact that even with the same calories coming in, we're doing better just by putting some, some guardrails, some guidelines around that. Well, we can do the same thing. It's called sleep hygiene, where right. we, we literally clean up our habits just a little bit. And it comes down to things like, okay, turning off devices just a little bit earlier or going like, okay, what time am I actually getting into like sleep mode? Because some interesting information has been coming out Ooh. recently, right? They, they've started looking at actual like things like growth hormone and other major endocrine markers, things that are completely contributed or completely determined by the quality of our sleep and how much we're getting or we're not getting. So, so one thing was like delta wave sleep is determinant in that, that essential growth hormone release that we, we need every single night. Well, the, the thing is those delta waves come between when we start to feel drowsy and that first solid hour of sleep. So if we're doing things, if we're not protecting that initial part of sleep and we're going like, nah, I'm, I'll just stay up a little bit longer. Another half episode done. of Netflix. Oh man. The binge. Another game yeah. on the phone, another app yeah. to scroll, another, I don't know. Ah, oh, man, I really don't want to, you know, ah, oh, man, I don't want to harp on the kids to get to bed tonight. Right. Like, yeah. I'm just tired. It's Friday. Let's just let them stay up. Sure. Any of yeah. this resonating? No, we don't do that in this house. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not good for anybody. Right. Oh man. I mean, the, these kind of things come up all the time. But then, so it's it's in that hour, like to protect that hour. If we don't, we we missed it. We you missed, missed the window. Hormone release. Yeah. Has anyone it's ever gone. had this happen? We're like, man, I'm tired. And then you stay up a little bit later. You do one more of the thing, right? Yeah. And then you go, ah, oh, crikey, I missed my window. This happens with my son. Sure. If we are not leaving his room by 8.15, he's up. He's up till nine in uh, there rolling around, squawking, yeah. talking to himself, right? But if we can get out of that room by 8.15, he's asleep. Mm. And I don't remember where it was coming from, but I, I know you'd pulled up the research, right, on those delta waves. That initial growth hormone spike, if you miss it in the evening, you don't get it back. No, nope, not till tomorrow. You've, you've missed the restorative opportunity for that day. Yeah. It's like, all right, how many swings and misses do you want to get out of 365? Now, I am 100% pot meat kettle on this right now. Okay. 100%. Yeah. Speaking to myself in the mirror, because right now, yeah, we're speaking you, to ourselves for sure. If you look at my whoop, it's horrible. Mm, it's like a recovery watch, right? No, I need to go to recovery watch. It's like, <laughs> you need nine hours of sleep. You need to go to bed at 7 58 p.m. and get up at 9 a.m. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> so in this season of life that we're in, it's it's very alarming to me, which is why I've been much more diligent with my fasting windows and with my carbohydrate, sweet, salty intake, because that's a slippery slope for me. Stress, sleep, and the macro calorie counting, eat less, move more mindset is what backed me into a corner, metabolically speaking. So when we look at some of the epidemiologic cohort studies, people that are chronically sleep. So here are some stats that can like kind of increase the, hey, I'm doing everything right during during the waking hours, but my sleep needs to improve because it affects my hormones and my metabolic markers. And I don't want to undo all the hard work of the fasting that I've been doing type conversation. Sure. Yeah. This is me right now in real life. Okay. This is a very timely episode for me. 
people who are chronically sleep deprived are at a higher risk of obesity. Okay. Makes sense. Yep. Likely for all the hormonal and metabolic shifts discussed here. In that meta-analysis of studies, the risk of obesity went up 9% for every hour fewer of sleep from the baseline of seven to eight hours. Wow. 30% if you're getting five hours versus Ouch. eight. That's hard to hear. And why yeah. does that matter? Because obesity then comes with the increased risk of metabolic syndrome, cardiovascular disease, type 2 diabetes, et cetera. So the more limited the sleep duration, the greater the risk. Then there were mm -hmm. studies that showed the relationship between curtailed sleep and type 2 diabetes have found that those who sleep five to six hours a day have double the odds of prediabetes and type 2 diabetes yep. compared with seven to eight hours. In some studies, short sleep was a more significant risk factor than lack of physical activity. There's one last study to awaken you, see what I did there? <laughs> to take some action on getting your sleep habits under wraps because of the effect that it can have on your waking decisions and your fasting times and your fasting hours. So a study of short sleepers who received personalized tips for sleep improvement, they increased their slumber time from 5.6 to 7.1 hours. Nice experienced a significant decrease in overall appetite and their desire for sweet and salty foods over just a two-week period. This is me. When wow. I don't sleep, I am hungry all the dang time. My fasting timer and my fasting windows are more difficult, and I want all of the salty foods. I want them all. I want everything. Yeah. Just crunch. Just something to crunch on. Give it to me. Like I don't yeah. care what it is. I don't even like pork rinds. I'll eat them. <laughs> okay yeah i mean that speaks to the i don't but you know what i mean yeah self-control discipline i mean throw them out the window like the the cravings and the thing the the actual inhibitions i mean cravings are up inhibitions are down it is really yeah. tough because every little piece of, of fasting you know between like you like you mentioned setting the timer your food decisions what time am i going to bed am i exercising some of that sleep hygiene that i heard the guys talk about right all of these things Hey, y'all, I wanted to take a second and tell you just an incredible story about an amazing company that we've come across recently. Um, and now they are a sponsor of our show. It's airdoctorpro.com. You can head to the website, use a promo code uh, fasting for life to receive up to $300 off. But most importantly, uh, my little guy, my two-year-old has not slept consistently through the night uh, since he was born. We have tried everything you can imagine. He is our third child. And we're just like, what is happening? So we have gone to great lengths, time, money, and effort to figure out um, how we can help him sleep. And uh, the reality is uh, we were pretty much just resigned to the fact that this is how it's going to be until we put the Air Doctor Pro in his room. And I am not joking when I tell you the first night that we put it in his room, he slept through the night. The second night, slept through the night. Now we're up to 35 plus days that he has slept through the night. He has only woken up two times rather than two, three times a night, two times in the last 35 days and counting. And we are just so incredibly grateful. The reality is uh, we had a feeling that it was something that we were missing. And the indoor air, air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air these days. In some cases, up to a hundred times more. We spend 90% of our time indoors and we take 20,000 breaths a day. So what's the solution? an air purifier, a cut above the rest. I'm not going to lie. We have tried others. We've tried other HEPA filters. We've tried other air filters. We have spent the money and they have not done the results that Air Doctor did in literally the first day that we put it in his room. They filter out 99.99% .99 of dangerous contaminants. That includes 
pollutants such as allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mite, mold spores, and even bacteria and viruses. So I don't know what it was that was keeping them up, but it is now gone. So Air Doctor comes with a 30-day Breathe Easy money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com. Use promo code FASTINGFORLIFE to receive up to $300 off air purifiers. An exclusive listener um, offer for you as well. You'll receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. That's exclusive to you, the podcast listener, now hearing this in real time. Lock this special offer by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code FASTINGFORLIFE. You guys know that we are very particular with who we partner with. And if it wasn't for this incredible company and this, the incredible results that we've seen, I would not be encouraging you to head to the website and take advantage of the Fasting for Life promo code. So if you support our sponsors, you are ultimately supporting us. We are grateful for you listening in. And now back to today's episode. Can, I didn't can, say can, no can Netflix. Really... I just said half less of an episode. Yeah. Just half an episode less. Yeah, just like being being cognizant of the time or like making that because, man, what, what an important decision. But think about it. Like your inhibitions are at their lowest the later it gets, right? And so every little bit further, it's a little tougher to make that next best decision. But like that last decision that you make for the day is one of the most important ones for, for your recovery going into the next day. But then that also determines how that next fast is going to feel too. And how effective it is too, and what the scale is going to do the next day, and then the day after that, as well. So I mean, you're talking yep. about a cycle here, momentum. So we just had a question come in recently, or a comment come in recently about so someone was in a fasting window. They were doing an overnight fast, like a lunch to the following day dinner, right? You know, breaking that 30 hour mark. And they said, nice. "Yeah, I was fasting, and then I took the dog for a walk, and I decided to stop and have one bourbon, or it was one tequila, or whatever, and yeah, then just went home, drink. Yeah. didn't." Didn't go down the rabbit hole, went home, went to bed. What did that do to my fast? Well, it broke it, obviously. But the next morning for me, if I did that, I would be ravenous in the morning. And you could insert one slice of, I don't know, high fat food, like a pizza, one piece of pizza. I was going to say, are you trying not to say pizza right now? I was. (laughs) The next morning for me, like I know when we go out to date night to very occasionally to this one special restaurant. I know yeah. what I'm getting and I know the local draft craft beer I'm going to have, but I know the next morning on that Saturday morning or Sunday morning when we go out on a Friday or a Saturday, I know yeah. that I'm going to need to be more focused and hypervigilant or else the old me Cravings. comes back, right? So I turn yep. from Bruce Banner into the Hulk and I'm like, give me all <laughs> of the food. And next thing I know, I'm in a coma on Monday because Sunday turned into an all-you-can-eat grace fest. Mm. So yeah. chronic sleep for deprivation. hours. Yeah, insulin's just up. Like yeah. it's just all the way up, right? So sleep deprivation, decrease insulin sensitivity, right? So it's not as effective. You have a stress response, right? Which increases cortisol. Your yeah. appetite, your hunger and satiety hormones are all messed up. Your brain isn't as clear, more brain fog, right? And mm-hmm. then you've got increased insulin, blood glucose, your liver produces its own energy when you're like, I don't need more. I've got enough floating around. Your cortisol's <laughs> up. You make poorer food choices, so less nutrient-dense food consumption. And then you've got the imbalance in your burning and storing of that energy. So you get more fat mass and then impaired weight loss. So these hormones, like we talked about growth hormone, right? It's that non-REM sleep. It's that initial sleep portion of your sleep cycle 
it literally regulates glucose and the breakdown of fats and protein. It is, it is lean muscle protective. It protects your lean muscle tissue, which is what we want. We want more lean mass protection and more fat burning. Cortisol, it manages your body's use of macronutrients. So it increases your blood sugar and controls your sleep cycle and other activities. So mm -hmm. increased cortisol, increased stress response, increases your fat storage and decreases your insulin sensitivity the following day. And then, Tommy, there's leptin, ghrelin, and then orexins as well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we talk about like throwing a wrench into the whole system. So if, if we can get the right sleep, if we can work on But I'm fasting, the, Tommy. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's like the, hey, I'm fasting. Can't I just eat whatever I want? You know, it's like, right. well. You can for a short period of time. You could. Probably. You could. But it's, it's probably gonna, not going to be nearly as effective as you'd like for it to be. Yeah, right. But it, it's, at least, it's at least a good place to start. Same, of thing course. With, same thing with the sleep, but I'm fasting. Okay, well, that's good. So, but this is circling back to where we started this conversation with some of the black and white on and off perfectionist subconscious tendencies that a lot of us have, especially if you're if you like to get things done or you wear sleep or lack thereof as a badge of honor sometimes, then, then you might find yourself being all or nothing in the fact that, hey, if I, if I got the diet right, I don't need to get everything else right or it's not going to matter as much as the diet. But what you put on your plate is part of the equation. How often you're eating or you're restricting your eating is also part of the equation. The amount and the quality of your sleep is is also a big part of the equation. So like between those three things, I mean, that's probably going to account for the majority of your weight loss or weight control efforts in one of those three buckets. It's going to be the majority of it. So if we if we gave like equal equal weight to those things, then let's call them <laughs> each like a Funny. third, right? <laughs> let's say they're they're each about a third of of what matters here. So if you can if you can get two of them right and one of them still suffering, you're still likely to get the majority yeah. of oh, yeah. of the results you're looking for, yep. you know? Like not every day is going to be a 10, right? So give yourself permission that hey, it's not going to be perfect, but it is worth working on my sleep and my sleep hygiene, even if I'm getting my plate right, or even if my last fast was quote unquote perfect, you know, or I've been hitting my fasting consistently. That's that's great. It's still worth putting some deliberate effort into your sleep quality. So I'm going to encourage everybody, like take take a step in in each one or at least or in in two of those buckets, right? Like next time you go to break your fast, like, okay, so pull up the blueprint to fasting for fat loss. If you don't know what I'm talking about, get it, download it. It's a free guide. And, you know, it's, it's going to help you kind of outline what your next fast could look like, right? And so that's... It's going to take some of the tactical place. thinking out of the equation. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So, so tactical, check. Check that box. And then, so I'm, I'm setting my fasting timer, right? And when I go to break that fast, then there's going to be some decisions to make. Those decisions are going to affect the scale, obviously, but they're also going to affect the quality of my sleep that night. And so if you're having trouble like closing your window or having a meal instead of it becoming a slippery slope or a graze fest window because my cravings are up, maybe because it was a poor night of sleep yesterday. Okay, then let's make one or two better decisions when you go to break that next fast. Maybe it's reducing the processed carbohydrates on that next meal so I can sleep a little bit better. And maybe I don't have all the cravings that lead to the, you know, the additional episode, you know, on Netflix that night so I can get a little bit better sleep. Okay, great. And then when I, when I go to make my next fasting decision, I can also do that and go, all right, maybe I'm going to set a deliberate timer for that next meal. 
going into a particular time of day that I already planned out when I'm when I set the fasting timer rather than freelancing it going into that fast. Okay, so now I've made two very very good deliberate choices that I could do and continue to do and see results on the scale from there. Does that make sense? Yeah, don't do because we're going to rat a tat tat a few more things you can do with your sleep to optimize your fasting windows, the ease of your fast and your weight loss. But what I'm hearing there is is don't try like in the matrix to learn how to to like install an entire you know how to fly a blackhawk program like <laughs> just don't try to digest it all and put it all in one like yeah. all these morning routine gurus out there and i've i've That's probably <laughs> bought and purchased and watched and taken lots of their courses like a 72 step morning routine yeah i have a 3 hour morning routine no you don't okay we need effective we need repeatable. So don't try to build the pyramid all in one or two nights. Mm. Yeah. Rome wasn't built start, in a day. Start slow. I love all the cliches. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah, right. Start slow. My wife actually just said to me the other day, she's like, so I've been working a little bit later into the evenings again. She's like, so uh, what's going on with that? Huh? How are you doing? <laughs> and it's a direct correlation. My sleep performance has decreased 12% in the last 30 days. And she's like, so uh, yeah, what are you going to do about that? I was like, thank you. It's <laughs> like, that wasn't an answer. I'm like, yeah, it was. Thank you. Well, I'm going to start to pull back because I have a bedtime reminder on my phone. I'm going to start to pull back. Not just, I've been staying up an hour and a half, probably 90 minutes later than I should. Yeah. So I can't just go back to laying back down 90 minutes sure. earlier every night because I'm literally just going to lay there. Is it because you want to get more done? It's It's been a necessity lately, right? Yeah. So yeah. I'm not, there's been some changes in our day-to-day and our schedules. And it's just been like, all right, well, I got to get it done somehow. And I still want to yeah. see my wife and be a husband. And, and so it's like, all right, I'll just yeah. stick these Push few it, hours in. The margin. Yeah, I'll, I'll just stick it in here. Everybody else sleep, not a big deal. It's quiet, put some music yep. on, my headphones, yep. Yep. boom, get it done. Yeah. So what I'm going to start to do is I'm going to pull back that bedtime by about 10 or 15 minutes over the course of the next couple of weeks. You know, a couple mm-hmm. of nights, I'll, I'll move it back 15 minutes move it back 15 minutes. And I won't, yeah. I'm, I'm not allowing myself to sit down and do that every single night. So I'm going to decrease the frequency of it happening. Then I'm also going to pull back the average bedtime. Cool. So what I think I want to do, Tom, is I want to give away the sleep guide that we have because it's mm. six categories of things, small things yeah, that you can do. But overall, big picture, as we wrap up today's conversation, head to the show notes. You can grab the fasting blueprint if you're newer to fasting. Uh, it's the blueprint to fasting for fat loss. It'll give you an idea of like how to ramp up, how to kind of set your schedule. Talks about some of the how, who, what, when, where, and why of fasting. Yeah. The importance of it, getting the weight off, et cetera. But then also the sleep guide is going to just simplify the process because sleep science is very robust, especially now. And it's very overwhelming. Yeah. If, you, if you're that type of personality, speaking to myself again, I feel like I'm on the couch this week. So I want more data. Like I want to see it. But big picture here. Aim for at least seven hours. So either set your alarm a little later in the morning, move your bedtime a little bit earlier in the evening, but let's aim for that seven. Let's not go for the, my whoops telling me nine hours and 18 minutes is what I need tonight. Right. Okay. Unless the wife and kids go away for a couple of days, that's not happening. <laughs> but what can I do? Oh, I can, I can aim for seven. Yeah, that's doable, right? Hmm. Set a regular bedtime and wake up time. Yeah. Because... Inconsistency can also raise the insulin resistance, not just the night to night time, but inconsistency. And post weight loss, having a consistent bedtime 
helps you keep the weight off. Consistency, right? So avoid, Tommy, you already mentioned this, avoid eating dinner close to bedtime, close Mm -hmm. your window earlier, and put in those better food decisions later in the day. Especially if you're doing OMAD dinner right now. Yeah. Absolutely. This is huge. If you're going to make a poor food decision, make it earlier in the day. Let's just be real, please. Yeah. I'm helping you here for your sleep hygiene, Kai. It does matter. Yes. It does. The timing of it matters. Yep. So do things like caffeine. My wife can't sniff caffeine past noon. I can eat, I can have a coffee at 3 p.m. and go to bed on time. It's fine. Yeah. Well, it's not fine, but yes, yep. Yep. It's it's okay. Uh, Alcohol. Not optimal. Doable, not optimal. Yep. Yep. Alcohol is another one. It completely messes with your REM sleep, dramatically Mm -hmm. decreases your REM sleep, which is going to have a direct effect on your next day and your cravings and your hormone levels and your insulin resistance. It takes over your liver activity overnight too, which your liver is so important for fat loss. So you're literally hijacking some of the fat loss potential right there. Yep. Get out. Even if it's cloudy, like it's been here in Houston, hazy, right? As we're we're exiting spring into summer, it'll be here before we know it. Get some light routine. Get some some light into your eyeballs without sun sunglasses early in the morning. And then as the sun is setting that dawn and dusk light, don't exercise late. Make sure your room is dark and cool. Okay. Just yeah. put up a tapestry, old school, you know, dorm room style, spray paint your window without your wife or husband knowing. <laughs> One of the blackout first curtains. things we did when we moved into this house was I ordered blackout curtains my wife found the curtain rod for the for the window because it's kind of like a four part window. It's like a yeah. like a bevel out in our in our master bedroom. Oh yeah, those are cool. Horrible to try to make good sleep hygiene though because right. yep. it's like all these angles and I got a four piece curtain rod with a thing and a thing. And then we got cellular shades, right? These pull down mm. shades that are blackout. They look really great. That was literally the first thing, other than making sure that the internet and the water was turned on when we moved into this house. This is the yeah. first thing we did. I go to hotels. I literally bring electrical tape with me. It's in my bag. (laughs) Like I am blocking out all of the light. So make sure it's cool and dark and just start with one or two of these things. And then in the sleep guide, we have a couple others like decreasing your blue light exposure, shutting the TV off, you know, those types of things, decreasing your hydration later in the day, getting most of your water in earlier in the day. So you're not up peeing all night. But sleep is such, like you said, if we wanted to break it up into, into thirds, and I, for me, it's more, it's probably more like 40% of the problem, yeah. of the long-term problem. It's just so important. And we, we want to make your fasting lifestyle easier. So just picking one or two of these things can be incredibly powerful. Yeah, it can. So like do that starting today. Don't try to change everything all at once, but right. grab one, one or two things that, that you, you really want to, to work on and then do those, like do those tonight. Yeah. Don't wait. Put it into action right now. Get your first rep tonight and then going into your next fast, make one more decision, especially if it was a little bit easier because your sleep was a little bit better and get the momentum going 100% because that's when we start to to see the scale start to move. That's where we start to gain the confidence in the long-term sustainability of this as a lifestyle because it really does all work together. It's not just, oh man, if I just get the calories right, then everything else is going to fall into place. No, absolutely not. So, but, but we can, we can optimize one step at a time. So absolutely get started. No time to waste. I'm going to say this to myself. Okay. If you're tired, go to bed. Yeah. That's a message to everybody, including me. I need to hear it. It needs to be everywhere. Don't miss that opportunity. If you're drowsy, if you can go, go. Do it. And take a nap if you need to. It's okay. No no shame. It's okay to say. Be proud of it. It's okay. (laughs) Moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas out there, 
friends, family members, coworkers, go take a nap in the car. You're tired, go to sleep. Sleep is that important. I don't care if you're sleeping in the car, I'm not gonna bang on your window and try to rob you. I'm just gonna, hey, look at that guy. <laughs> sleep hygiene, it's important. All right, tell <laughs> me. You're gonna be jealous. <laughs> I am gonna be jealous. I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna pull up in the spot next to him underneath the tree. Um, How did you do it? <laughs> show notes, blueprint to fasting for fat loss, grab our sleep guide. We've never given away the sleep guide before. So I'm really excited about that. See the response for it. Set those fasting timers, Tommy. Appreciate the conversation. As always, we'll talk next week. Yeah, sweet dreams. See ya. So you've heard today's episode and you may be wondering, where do I start? Head on over to thefastingforlife.com and sign up for our newsletter where you'll receive fasting tips and strategies to maximize results and fit fasting into your day-to-day life. While you're there, download your free Fast Start Guide to get started today. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to leave us a five-star review, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Fasting for Life.